are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Take your Bible and uh, turn with me to Genesis chapter number 7 tonight. Genesis chapter number 7. It's good to be in church on a Wednesday night. You know, any day of the week, it's just good to be in church, isn't it? There's some things you can go overboard with, but you'll never get too much church. And I'm glad that we're here this evening. I'm looking forward to what God's going to do. And appreciate the theme of our services. You know, there's a crowd in America today that are bitter and uh, dis, uh, in, in, enchanted and jaded toward our country for no good reason. But I'm glad there's still a crowd, maybe it's a remnant, but there's a crowd that still loves our flag, still believes in our country, and is still proud to be from America. And uh, I'm glad that you're here tonight, and I appreciate everybody who's watching online for info and whoever else. Thank you for watching tonight. Last night in our home, I was talking to uh, my wife about the latest news for our church, and we all know that because of the video about the fines and the increasing of the fines and $52,000 over that that we've been fined so far. And she and I were talking, and I didn't think about it, but our little boy was in his bedroom. He'd just gotten out of the bathtub, and he was sitting in there, uh, his hair, you know, just slicked over and just looking cool. And he's sitting there in his bedroom playing with his toys, and he heard us talking, and he came walking out, and his little voice quivered. And he had tears in his eyes, and he heard us talking about how we were being fined for having church. And he said, does that mean we can't have wiggle worms? And his heart was broken, and he said, Mommy, I'm scared. And then he said this, I don't like those people. But I don't want him growing up like that. Because that's not who we are. We love our government. We support our government. But I'm glad that he wants to go to church. It's essential to him. Genesis chapter 7, let's begin reading in verse number 12. We might skip around a little bit because I want to read to the end of the chapter and then a couple of verses in chapter number 8 to get to my, my thought for this evening. In days like these, I know this, we don't have services to waste, do we? We sure do need God to speak to us. And here's the good news from heaven, God wants to speak to us. So let's just go ahead and open our hearts and our ears and say, God, will you speak to me tonight? Verse number 12, the Bible said, And the rain was upon the earth forty days and forty nights. In the selfsame day entered Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth, the sons of Noah, and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them into the ark. They and every beast after his kind and all the cattle after their kind and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth after his kind and every fowl after his kind, every bird of every sort. And they went in unto Noah into the ark too and two of all flesh wherein is the breath of life. And they that went in, went in male and female of all flesh as God had commanded him and the Lord shut him in. And the flood was forty days upon the earth, and the waters increased and bare up the ark, and it was lift up above the earth. And the waters prevailed and were increased greatly upon the earth, and the ark went upon the face of the waters. The Bible said in verse number 19, the high hills were even covered. And in verse number 20, it tells us that the waters prevailed some 20 to 30 feet above the peaks of the high mountains. Verse 21, all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of fowl and of cattle and of beasts and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth and every man, all in whose nostrils was the breath of life. All that was in the dry land died, and verse 23 sums it up, and every living substance was destroyed. The end of the verse is, and Noah only remained alive, and they that were with him in the ark. 
Verse number 1, the first phrase of the verse says this, of chapter 8, And God remembered Noah. Verse number 4 says, And the ark rested in the seventh month, on the seventeenth day of the month, upon the mountains of Ararat. As we read this account, and we've learned this in Sunday school, we can visualize in our mind as Noah builds his ark. The rain comes just like God said it would because God always brings to pass His Word. The water falls from the sky, the earth opens up, and the fountains are released, and all of a sudden the world is covered with water. Everything is destroyed. Dead bodies float on every side of the ark. The waves toss it to and fro. The lightning flashes, the thunder rolls, debris from a wrecked civilization bludgeons the boat. By the time we get to the end of chapter number 7, everything is gone. That's not a true statement. There's still something there. Not everything was gone. The ark was still there. The wicked society was gone, but the ark was still there. The world that had been corrupt was gone, but the ark was still there. The mockers, the scoffers, the doubters, the oppressors, those who would have looked at Noah as being out of touch with his generation, they were gone, but the ark was still there. For a little while this evening, I want to preach on this thought. It's still there. And by the way, it'll still be there. There's a word I'm going to use tonight called perpetuity. That's not promised to a nation. It's not promised to a government, but it's promised to the church of God. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for power, please. I pray you'd help me to encourage our church family. I also pray you'd help me to address the world that will be watching online. I pray that you'd be glorified. Meet with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. On September 13, 1814, British warships sent a downpour of shells and rockets onto Fort McHenry in Baltimore Harbor, relentlessly pounding the American fort for 25 hours. The bombardment, known as the Battle of Baltimore, came only weeks after the British had attacked Washington, D.C., burning the Capitol, the Treasury, and the President's house. A week earlier, Francis Scott Key, an American lawyer, had boarded the flagship of the British fleet on the Chesapeake Bay in hopes of persuading the British to release a friend who had recently been arrested. Key's tactics were successful. But because his companions had gained knowledge of the impending attack on Baltimore, the British did not let them go. Under their scrutiny, Key watched... On September 13th, as the barrage of Fort McHenry began about eight miles away, it seemed as though Mother Earth had opened and was vomiting shot and shell in a sheet of fire and brimstone, he wrote. Throughout the battle, Key was in the harbor hearing cannon fire and the booms of explosives. When darkness arrived, Key saw only red erupting in the sky. Given the scale of the attack, he was certain the British would win. The hours passed slowly, but in the clearing smoke of the dawn's early light, on September 14th, he saw the American flag, not the British Union Jack, flying over the fort announcing American victory. Key put his thoughts on paper while still on board the ship. The Baltimore Patriot soon printed it, and within weeks, Key's poem, now called the Star-Spangled Banner, made its way across the country. The opening verse of his poem has become our national anthem. We all know it, but let me read it. It says, Oh, say, can you see... By the dawn's early light, what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming, whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight, or the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming, and the rocket's red glare, 
the bombs bursting in air gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. Oh, say does that star-spangled banner yet wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave. Thank God for some things that have lasted. Thank God for some things that we can say of them, they're still there. Thank God for some things that have not fallen, they're still there. Thank God for some things that regardless of the onslaught, the opposition, and the outright attack of the enemy, they've made it through the battles of life, and we can say of them, they are still there. Most things in this world are born, they live, and they die. They're around for various lengths of time. Some flash and they dissipate. Some stand for a season, but they fall. Some make a great impact on our world in a moment. Others leave their mark on our world over time. Most things come and they go. Politicians come and go. Elected and unelected officials come and go. Heads of state come and go. Pastors come and go. Fashion culture, philosophy, technology, all of these things come and they go. Most things stand for a season, but eventually those things that come, they go. But other things come and they stay. They weather the storm. They ride out the torrents. They stand against changing times. They endure the persecution. They're fixed while the calendar pages turn. They're fixed as time marches on. Other things come and go, but I'm glad there's some things that come and they stay. They're still there. I heard the story of a lighthouse keeper. He was watching a lighthouse hundreds of years old on the coast. As he was asleep in that lighthouse, he was awoken by the crashing thunder and the flashing lightning. He'd never seen a storm like the storm that night. He was worried the lighthouse might fall. He made it through the night and so did the lighthouse. He began to walk back through town and the people in town said, how's the lighthouse? Does she stand? And the man said, the thunder rolled like never before. The lightning flashed like never before. The wind blew like never before. The waves beat like never before. But I'm glad to tell you, the lighthouse never shook on her foundation. She's there. The lighthouse stands. As Francis Key peered from his boat in the Chesapeake Bay, it thrilled his heart to see the flag of our country flying above Fort McHenry. The flag still flying symbolized that our country, America, was still standing. The bombs had fallen, the shots had been fired, the siege had been tried, but in spite of the enemy's attempts, America was still there. Our country is something that I love dearly. Soon after I got married and surrendered to preach, we gave up, not, not saying that we gave up anything, but we gave up everything, earthly speaking, to travel and try to do something in America. I was raised to love America. I was taught to love America. I've studied history enough to only increase my love for America. Now tonight I would fall into the category that receives so much negative attention. Generationally I'd be considered a millennial. But I want to go on record to you, everybody who's watching tonight, and say this, I'm a millennial, but I'm a millennial who loves my country. There might be some watching, probably not anybody in the building, but some watching. I'd want to ask you the question, I wonder if those who are burning down our cities and spitting on our flag and burning our Bibles and disrupting civilization and destroying property, I wonder if they'd say the same thing about their country. 
It bothers me just recently when I saw a tweet put out by a local county uh, official account that was giving instructions to protesters on how to protest in our city. And it said on the, on the, on the, on the post, socially distance when possible. And yet they would come down so hard on a group of people that simply want to meet, gather, and worship the God of heaven. I think I'd be more concerned with criminal activity and crimes against our community than I would be with good citizens gathering to worship God in the same manner our forefathers worshiped God when they first came to America. I think I might be more interested and involved with getting drugs off our street than pulling children out of their Sunday school class. I think I might be more worried about penalizing criminals than criminalizing worshipers. I think I'd be more worried about and belligerent over our state Senate passing a bill that protects pedophiles and predators than I would a group of good citizens just wanting to gather and worship God who's been so good to our country. Seems strange to me that a state would let lawbreakers out from behind bars and yet bar praying people from kneeling at an altar in their church house. In Oakland just this week the protesters shouted death to America and kill the police. You'll never hear that at this church. Our church is a patriotic place. This isn't just a show we're putting on for you. This is just who we are. At North Valley Baptist Church, we love America. In fact, more than that, we love our city. We love our county. We love our state. We love our country. We serve our community. We pray for our elected officials. With 110%, we back our law enforcement. We love our Constitution. We love the military. We love our flag. We believe wholeheartedly in liberty and justice for all. Just like James Madison, we believe in the American principle that it's up to the citizenry of our country to govern themselves in accordance to the Ten Commandments of God. Our church is more than just a building, it's people. More than people, we are Christian Americans. In our pews sit soldiers and sailors and airmen and marines. We have lawyers and doctors and business owners. We have factory men and homemakers. We have care providers and mechanics. We have a melting pot of ethnic backgrounds, people from other places that chose to make their home and live their life here because they love this land. We're very different. But there's a couple things that bind our hearts together. First and foremost, it's salvation by the grace of God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. But number two, it's our shared love for America. If we could all stand and vote tonight, we would all vote in the affirmative. We're glad we can say of America, it is still there. America has defied historical precedent. And up to this point, she's endured. You study history and you'll find often that's not the case. Study the great empires of history and you'll find that most have either vacated the scene or at least their crown has fallen. You can say it of Nebuchadnezzar's Babylon, it's gone. You can say it of Nero's Rome, it's gone. You can say it of Hitler's Germany, it's gone. But thank God, not America. Not yet. As of tonight, we can look at our country and we can still say it's there. There are those trying to destroy America. I know that, absolutely. There are those that would like to topple our nation, yes. But I'm glad tonight, in spite of that fanatical few that would call for the demise of our country, America is still there. They burn our flag, but America's still there. They revise and rewrite our history, but America's still there. They love the worst nations in the world and loathe the most blessed country ever to have existed, but America's still there. They tear down our past and deny our founding principles, but I'm glad to tell you tonight, America is still there. I love America. I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm glad to consider myself a patriot. 
I don't blush at claiming citizenship of our country. I'll kneel at an altar, but I don't kneel at our anthem. This is my home. I've chosen this place to live my life and serve my God. I'm glad I can say America is still there. You say, where's America? It's still there. It's there in the honest, hardworking employee. It's still there in the loving mother who cares for her children. It's still there in the young men and women who enlist to fight for our freedom. Where's America? It's there. It's there in the ringing church bells that sound out every Sunday reminding our nation that God is still on his throne. I'm glad America's still there. Where is it? America's there in the yellow ribbons wrapped around our trees, the blue lights that shine from our porches, and the American flag pins that hang on our lapel. You say, where's America? She's still there. It's there all across this country. Small towns, hidden in hollers, tucked on old highways, bypassed by the interstate, that host Fourth of July parades and have buntings and flags all over town, every storefront and every home draped with the red, white, and blue. That's where America is. She's still there. America's still there in the kind gestures and the old-fashioned manners shown by citizens every single day. That's America. You say, where's America? She's still there. She's there in the senior citizen that proudly wears his veteran's hat as he runs around town doing errands. She's still there in the school children who stand and recite the Pledge of Allegiance, one nation under God before they take their classes. She's still there in the factory workers, the coal miners, the businessmen and women, the public servants who do their part to promote the progress of our society. I'm glad tonight that America is still there. America is still there in every hand that goes over every heart and every hand that goes to every head and salute of that flag right there. Thank God for America. America is still there. It's still there in the, it's still there in the preacher, the policeman, the police women, the patriotic and sincere politician. You know, long before there ever was a president on this soil, there were men with a Bible, and there were folks who'd gather in an assembly like this to hear the Word of God preached on this soil. I'm glad tonight we can say America's still there. You can say it's still there as we look at this crowd tonight. You look at one another, you say, what's America? I'll tell you what it's not. America is not some elite political class that preaches from their high castles and their big walls and behind their armed guards to you and I. America is not some perverted celebrity trying to tell us how to live a moral life while they ignore the rampant immorality among their own peers. America is still there. Where is it? America is not some malicious media that peddles half-truths and whole lies. It's not talking heads that constantly provoke division and cheerlead the cause of criminality and demonize the cause of decency, but she is still there. What's America? America is there in the family that works hard, takes their kids to little league practice, loves their neighbors as themselves, and loves their country over every other country. America is still there. Thank God in spite of the onslaught she stands. I'm glad America is not the frenzied mob. But America is the common sense, law-abiding men and women in our nation. America is not totalitarianism. It's democracy and equal rights and equal representation. America is not found in government overreach, local or federal. It's found in the belief and the protection of every individual to have the opportunity for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I'm glad America is not about orders. America is about freedom. America wasn't founded on shuttering churches. But the ideal set by Thomas Jefferson as he wrote to the Danbury Baptist Association and said forever there shall be a wall of separation standing between church and state to keep the state from meddling in the progress, the program, and the polity of the local church. I'm glad America's still there. America's never been and ought never be a country that champions the compliance of its citizens. 
but forever and always a land that loves and protects the liberty of its people. I was listening to a speech by Ronald Reagan this morning before I even came to the office, and he said Americans weren't made to kneel, they were made to stand. And he said what he meant by that is America is not made to be an enslaved people, but a free people. Not a captive people, but a people set at liberty. What's America? I'll tell you what it is. It's you and I. That's what America is. America is made up of folks like Francis Scott Key, who did not rejoice in the prospective downfall of his nation, but swelled with pride to see that in spite of shot and shell and the barrage of the enemy, our flag had not fallen and our country was still there. Now, up to this point tonight, America has endured. And as of tonight, she's still there. But we don't have a promise that America will be here tomorrow. The Bible says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And thus far, America has survived and thrived, not because of our founding documents, but because of our founding deity. It's not because of our religious foundation, but our Christian foundation. You study history, and it's, not, it's undeniable. America has blossomed forth from Bible principle. Trigger whom it may and anger who it might. Can I say, it's obvious that we have a Christian heritage in America. America was not founded by soldiers seeking gold. It was founded by pilgrims seeking God. Our monuments testify of it. The Ten Commandments that hang above the Supreme Court even yet to this day, it testifies of it. Our money testifies of it. Our founding documents testify of it. God has blessed America, and that's the only reason tonight we can stand and say it. America is still there. But I want to serve notice on our hearts tonight. All of that can change before the sun rises tomorrow. There is no perpetuity promised to our nation. The Bible says sin is a reproach to any people and a nation that thumbs its nose toward the law of God and the righteousness of God is soon headed to the judgment of God. It's happened historically to other nations and it can happen to our nation as well. And I don't say that happily. God knows my heart. I love America, but I say that with a broken heart this evening that if something doesn't happen in a hurry and the tide doesn't turn in our country, we might say it tonight, she's still there, but that won't be the case tomorrow. I don't say it happily. I believe soon if we don't have God intervene, the clock is going to strike 12 and the judgment of God will fall on America. Imagine a moment when those living on this soil will not have occasion to say of our country, it's still there. They'll live in a day where America was just a dream, a vision once realized and now just a distant memory. They'll ask the question, where is America? And they'll have to respond, she's not there. As our culture erodes and they cancel our churches and our morals digress and they take away our liberties, can I say a day is quickly approaching. If God doesn't do something about it, we won't be able to say it of America. It's still there. In Genesis chapter 6 through 8, we find the record of a wicked generation, a righteous man, and the judgment of God. This story illustrates to us the truth that I introduced to at the beginning of the message. There's some things that come and go, but thank God there's some things that come and they stay. Noah lived in a very wicked day, a very perverse society. He lived among men that weren't striving toward holiness. They were running from the ways of God. In Noah's day, they didn't want church. In Noah's day, they didn't want revival. In Noah's day, they didn't want worship. In Noah's day, all they wanted was wickedness. They dethroned God in their heart and had gone to the devil. If you read chapter 6, it becomes very obvious the effects that generation after generation of unchecked and unrepentant sin has on society. 
Adam and Eve had children, they were fallen. Their children had children and so on. And that culminates to this point in Genesis chapter six where God looks down upon his creation and it repents him that he's made man and it grieves him at his heart. The Bible says God looks down and he sees the wickedness of man that is rampant upon the earth and it grieves him to the point where he has to judge sin. Now let me remind you, our God is a good God and a grace-filled God and a merciful God, but he's also a holy God God and a righteous God and a just God and our God will judge sin. God scans the scene of humanity and as he does, he sees one man who's living right in a world gone wrong. He sees a one man remnant for righteousness in a perverted generation. The Bible says Noah finds grace in the eyes of the Lord. God comes to Noah and he gives Noah a plan to follow, to spare him and his family from the judgment of God. Now let's just think of this. He comes to Noah and says, Noah, build an ark, build a boat, build a boat in the desert, build a boat on dry ground, build a boat having never seen rain. It seemed odd to the world. It seemed strange to society. It wouldn't have made sense to the secular crowd, but that was the purpose of God. I can see as Noah began to cut down trees and swing his hammer and gather the pitch. His family even gotten involved. It was a family affair. They all helped build that ark for a long time they built and no rain fell. Can you imagine the scoffers? Can you imagine the mockers? Can you imagine the doubters? I'd say all the press was putting out negative articles all over the country about old Noah out of date, out of time. What's he building a boat for? In the desert. Imagine the scene. But then the day came. Noah and his family entered into the ark. Animals came two by two from all sides into the boat with Noah. They came and the scoffers kept scoffing. They came and the doubters were doubting. They came and the critics criticized on. They came and the bad articles kept going out to the masses. I'd say the press probably gave Noah bad coverage but suddenly the rain began to fall from the sky. The earth began to open up. The fountains of the deep were released and the waters began to rise on the world. Can you see it in your mind? That tiny boat, I mean compared to the size of the world, that boat sitting on dry ground, suddenly it begins to be lifted up by the falling rain and the rising floods. All of a sudden the scoffers look and they say, what in the world's going? The doubters look, the, the, the mockers look on and that boat begins to rise above the judgment of God. Picture that ark. Now it's tossed to and fro like a ball upon the sea. It's driven without direction. It's uh, uprooted and smashed by the trees and wreckage of society. Dead bodies are floating on the waves. You say, who is that? Those are those scoffers. Those are those mockers. Those are those doubters. The dark clouds fill the sky. The strong winds begin to blow, but the ark is sailing on. The waves begin to rock the boat, but the ark is sailing on. The wind begins to blow, but the ark is sailing on. There's death on all sides, but the ark is sailing on. The scoffers are gone, but the ark still sails. The doubters are gone, but the ark still sails. The critics are gone, but the ark still sails. In spite of the storm, it's sailing on. In spite of the thunder, it's sailing on. In spite of the lightning, it's sailing on. No doubt if God would let a reporter visit the property of the ark and they were able to watch it from their safe vantage point, they'd have been writing their story. Every time that ark was eclipsed by a wave, they'd put out the headline, the ark sunk 
to rise no more. Every time the lightning flash, they'd write their headline, the ark is going down, it'll sail no more. But can I say every wave that would have hidden that ark was followed by another wave that elevated up again. Every time the lightning flash, it shined a spotlight on the fact that the ark was still sailing on. There might have been some doubters and scoffers who shouted with their final breath before they went down and rose no more. I can't believe it. That old boat's still sailing. It's still there. After better than 150 days of storm, stress, and unsettled sailing, the Bible says the ark came to rest. That's like saying this, it made it through. That's like saying this, it survived. That's like saying this, it persevered. That's like saying this, it's still there. You say, how'd that happen? Here's how it happened. Noah got in business with God. God got in business with Noah. And Noah found out that with God, the storm can rage, the water can rise. But after the smoke clears, the fog lifts, and the waters abate, the ark will still be there. I'm glad there's some things, the floods of time, the waves of wickedness, they can beat and they can bludgeon. But after the storm is over, they'll still be there. I love my country, but perpetuity is not promised to my country. There might be a day when I have to say it of America, I hope not. It's not there. You know that could happen? Abortion? Perversity? A drag queen can read to your child at the public school, but a preacher can't pray with the football team at the school before their game. The hating of God... A thousand other sins, any one of those could sound sound the death knell of America tonight. But I want to report to you and I, my heart and yours, as much as I'm glad to be an American, I'm far more thankful to be a Christian. And while a nation can fall, I got a Bible verse for you tonight that tells me that our ark, our church, will march on. There are some things that just last, there are some things that just continue, there are some things that just remain. They're steadfast, they're unmovable, they're always abounding. There's some things that stand, withstand, keep on standing, and long after the storms have stopped their raging, they're still there. You know why Noah's Ark made it? Because God was in it. Well, let me introduce you tonight to something else God got in a long time ago. You might be watching this evening and this whole concept's foreign to you. I know our church, we just need a reminder tonight. Let me introduce you to another little something that God got in a long time ago. The Bible says in Matthew 16, 18, and I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Thank God Noah had his ark, but tonight thank God you and I have a church. And I'm glad there's no perpetuity, maybe promise to my nation, but there's a promise of perpetuity, continuance, steadfastness, remaining, if you will, to the church of God. Long before there was a constitution, there was a church. The constitution's a wonderful document written by man, but the church is a living organism ordained of God, and the Lord himself gives us the promise tonight that there'll never be a defensive moment. We're always on the offense, advancing in the will of God. God got his ark through the flood, and God will get his 
church through this age. I'm glad we're in business with God and I'm glad God got in business with us. The ark wasn't Noah's, it was God's. And this church isn't ours, this church belongs to God. God planned the church, Jesus purchased the church, the Holy Ghost empowers the church and you and I get to be part of the church. It's more than steeples, it's more than stained glass, it's more than a sanctuary. This is God's husbandry, this is God's habitation, this is the pillar and ground of the truth, this is the body of Christ. This property is God's property. That parking lot is God's parking lot. Those pews are God's pews. This platform is God's platform. That pulpit is God's pulpit. It's not me and it's not you they're finding. This is God's property. This is his church. There might be a day when we have to say it of America. She's no longer there but forever and ever until Jesus calls us home in the clouds we'll be able to say it of our church it's still there. Study the book of Acts. Christians were murdered, imprisoned, hated, maligned, threatened, and impoverished, but the church marched on. You can kill Paul, but you can't kill the church. You can crucify Peter, but you can't kill the church. You can boil John, but you won't boil the church. You can stone Stephen, but the church rolls on. You can put Bunyan in prison. You can whip Obadiah Holmes. You can strangle William Tyndale. You can burn the meeting house of Baptists in colonial America, but the church marches on in spite of opposition, in spite of oppression, in spite of persecution, in spite of turmoil and trial. It's still there. The water rolls, the waves bludgeon, the wind blows, but the old ship of Zion is still sailing today. Read your Bible. Goliath is gone, but David's still there. The lions aren't hungry and Daniel's still there. The fire burns, but it's empty, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are still there. The jail cell's been vacated. Paul's still there. Judgment came. The earth is destroyed, but Noah sailed on. I can see Francis Scott Key as he swelled with pride to see our flag flying over that fort. He loved his country like we love our country. I tell you, you'll not find better people than what you find in these pews. Patriotic people that pay their taxes, that love their government. I mean, this is what we are. But can I say as much as he swelled with pride to see above the torrents of the enemy, the bombs, the, the, the shell, the shot of the enemy, to see that flag. Can I say it ought to encourage us tonight to see that in spite of persecution, in spite of the odds, in spite of what they might say, the church rises above it all and long after they're gone, the church will be there. Thank God for the church. Nothing's more essential to a city than a church. The church is more essential to our community than every bar room, shopping center, football field, and civic building put together. It might not provide the tax revenue of our casinos, but last time I checked, my Bible doesn't say revenue exalts a nation. It says righteousness exalts a nation. It's the church that gives hope to the hopeless. It's the church that offers peace to the restless. It's the church that clothes the naked and feeds the hungry and helps the hurting and ministers to those society forgets. Church is not simply who we are. It's what we do. It's who we are. It's everything about our life. I love this place because you know what? It doesn't matter what color your skin is. Every person that comes in this place matters to us. It doesn't matter how much money you have in your bank account. 
It doesn't matter your economic bracket, your educational level. It doesn't matter if you used to be on Skid Row or Wall Street. We don't care. You come in this place and everybody's loved equally in the local church. There's no place like this place. It's essential. That's where the gospel is preached and prayers offered and decency is promoted. Here, sin is sanitized and Satan's unmasked and we strive to spiritually, socially distance from the world. I love my church. Just this local church alone has brought in over, you've heard of 1.5 million people on buses. That's 1.5 million souls that have heard the gospel that might not have heard it. Maybe there's another place in town that's done more for our community, but you'd have to research to find it, I'm sure. 1.5 million homes that were reached out of, reached out to. 1.5 million lives that were touched. And that's just counting those who had to have transportation, not those who came on their own. Right here in this place, eternity has been altered. Right here in this place, lives have been changed. Right here in this place, Marriages have been put back together. Right here in this place, prodigal children came back. Right here in this place, drunkards got sober. Drug addicts put down their needle. Those that were a nuisance to society became some of those outstanding citizens. Santa Clara would ever know. And it happened in a place like this. Think about the mission fields filled because of this church. Think about other churches planted because of this church. Think about all the good homes because of this church. I'm telling you, 100%. Think about it. I mean, you take every other building in our city, and, and we love everybody, but I'm just city in our county and our state, and put them together. You can't, you can't put a value on the value of a church to a community. You remove the church from a city and watch the city slowly remove itself from existence. Where is Sodom and Gomorrah? They're gone. But the promise to Abraham lives on. Just during this pandemic period, we've watched skyrocketing numbers in depression, suicide attempts. No doubt it's been a catalyst of domestic violence and molestation. Hopelessness has risen in the hearts of people as they've lost everything, had to close their business, empty out their savings account to pay their rent. And throughout it all, some have labeled our church as non-essential. Thank God for every humanitarian aid organization. Thank God for every community service group. But you take the weight of good done in a community by every secular organization ever established. And you stand it up to the value added both temporally and eternally by a, by a church like this. And it's staggeringly one-sided. A stimulus check and rent relief and a hot meal might keep a man going for a month. But thank God the gospel and the love of Christ will keep a man for eternity. God knows that the heart of a Christian would never want anyone to get sick. And we pray every day for our doctors. We have many people who work in the medical field in our church. And we pray for those in our hospital. And we, our own pastor, constantly, God, dry up this virus. And that's not for selfish reasons. That's because we love our city. We love our county. We pray that God will empty the hospitals. But let me say this in the same breath. I more fervently pray that God allows to empty hell from those that are headed that direction. Every death is tragic. Every abortion death. Every drunk driving death. Every domestic violent death, violence death. Every drug death. Every cancer death. Every COVID death. But amplifying every death is this. Did that individual have to die without Jesus Christ? Some in authority are very worried over data and numbers. But what a sad day to see the data and numbers at the judgment seat of those who died lost because a church was threatened and her ministry was suppressed. The gates of hell can't prevail against the church. 
But the gates of hell left unchecked conceal the fate of countless souls that the church was legally barred from reaching out to. This is God's institution. This is God's organization. I'm glad this is God's battle. You wonder why I'm so confident in the church? Because Jesus shed his blood for it. He didn't shed his blood for some lodge or club or hangout. He shed his blood for the church. Jesus died for this place. Hell can't close it down. The devil won't stop its progress. No stronghold of sin can stand up to our advance. Because after the smoke clears and the fog lifts, after the waters abate, the ark rested. One of these days, Jesus is coming for us in the clouds. We're going to hear a shout and we're out. We'll hear a toot and we'll scoot. Say amen right there. We'll hear a trump and we'll jump. That's all I got. But anyway, Jesus is coming for us in the clouds. We'll see him face to face. Man, we'll lose all gravitation, a flight without an airplane transportation on silver wings. But until then, lo, I'm with you always. Until the shout, the church is going to march on. Tonight, I want to encourage your heart. It's not time to jump out of the ark. It's not time to lose hope in the ark. Because only one thing is still going to be sailing after the storm's over. And that's the ark of God. Thank God the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Last night, my little boy, he shouldn't even have to think about these things. I've not been so hurt during this time as I got hurt last night by watching him be scared that somebody wanted to keep him from going to Sunday school. And we told him, he said, you're not going to go to Wiggle Worms? We'll say, no, you'll be able to go. We're going to church tomorrow. But I mean, maybe there are some adults here tonight that just needed to hear it from me. Maybe I needed to hear it from my own mouth, my, to my ears. We'll still be here tomorrow. Amen. And by the way, we'll be here next week. Right. By the way, we'll be here the week after that. Because the gates of hell shall not prevail. Amen. It's still there. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.